leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Duncan Dynasty. Alongside Anthony Brown, I am Garrett Bouguet. On this week's episode, we are going to be finishing our top 25 players of all time lists. Last week, we went from 25 down to 13, Uh, so if you missed that episode, please check that out. This week, uh, we're going to be taking it from number 12 all the way down to number 1. Enjoy. Okay, so um, as I mentioned, I have Moses at 13, who we just talked about. Who is is on your list at that spot? Uh, Oscar Robinson. Okay. And it's interesting, you know, your last two have been right in line with mine. Oscar Robertson, I have one above, so I have okay. him at 12, yeah. and you have him at 13. So what are your thoughts on um, on Oscar? Of course, I think Bill Simmons, he was in the top 10, if I remember correctly. I think so. Uh, I, I think so, he was right behind at number 10. Yeah. Right behind um, so what are your thoughts on why is he a little bit lower on your list? And, and also, I mean, at... At what is it? Thirteen? You just said he's. Uh, yeah. You know what do you like about Oscar that he's at that spot? Well, uh, he's another one of those players that, like Elgin Baylor, gets brought up um, when they talk about his athleticism. Yeah. Compared to players at his time, that he was a freak athlete. There's a a photo of him grabbing a rebound back when he was at Cincinnati, and his legs are in a complete split out to the side, and he's grabbing the ball, and I'm like. First of all, why would you ever do that on a basketball court? <laughs> yeah. But but second, like, other than to show off, other right? than to show off. But I mean, he, you can tell by that photo how high he is off the ground. Like this dude was a, a freak athlete. Could the game um, be so easy that he recognized where the camera people were and was like probably, posing? Probably, yeah. Um, in terms of um, consistency, everything I've I've heard and read and seen about Oscar is that he played the game kind of robotically. Um, and that almost that almost knocked him down a few pegs for me that he didn't really have any like you knew what you were gonna get with Oscar Robinson mm-hmm. every single game he's gonna dribble the ball up he's gonna back down if you double he's gonna pass if not he's gonna turn around and shoot a little fadeaway and it was never flashy it was the least flashy almost <laughs> annoyingly so when yeah. you know his skill level um, you know, but a uh, great player in terms of uh, they talk about him as a precursor to Jordan and Kobe's fadeaway games from the post. Yeah, um, as a he's a bigger guard of the time, he was like six five, and so he's backing down people. Precursor of Magic Johnson a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just for me compared to Magic, Magic was such a force out there on all the different things that he could do with the ball. You know, Oscar is going to dribble the ball up and do the you know. Very easy bounce pass. 
Right. And you weren't going to get any more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if he was in the post and they doubled, he'd make the right pass. Like, he was a good passer. Right. Uh, but, yeah, nothing flashy, really. Right. Uh, like, even a John Stockton seemed flashier than this guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts on him? Because he was one that, when I first made the list, I actually had him lower. Okay. Um, like, in terms of his impact on the game, I feel like you could argue top ten. But, like, when it, the eye test that Bill Simmons talks about, like... Yeah, it was tough for me to even put him this high. Right, and, you know, comparing why I have him, you know, pretty close to the top ten and I have Jerry West lower is, you know, again, if you put him into today's game, like a 6'5 point guard that posts up, like, I can see that. Yeah. You know, that that works. Like Russell Westbrook, you know, that those two guys get compared because of the triple-double seasons. Right. Uh, But, you know, you've seen a guy like Westbrook post up, you know, point guards and and take advantage of that. Right. Uh, And, you know, guys, point guards that can rebound, create for others, and score themselves. Right. uh, You know, and be decent at defense. Those are extremely valuable guys. So just looking at that. Uh, and even as you said, if it didn't look that amazing, right? You know, I think it's an effective player. Totally. Uh, and um, you know, so yeah, you're right. I, you know, if I if I had seen a little bit more video, maybe he would be lower, or maybe even higher. I don't know. It, it's more of something where I just gotta take what people have said about him exactly, and, and kind of just uh, judge it based off of that. Totally. And yeah, the, the eye test is really tough because there are some players from that time that are just. The pull-up is so slow that, you know, I'm used to seeing Kobe with one, two fakes turn around and, you know, uh, it just happens so much quicker nowadays. But, yeah, Oscar Robinson, great player, one of the best point guards of all time. Okay, so, you know, I I just mentioned earlier that he's my number 12, so who do you have at that spot? I have Jerry West. Jerry West, okay. Um, Which you had him at, what, 24 or something like that? Uh Um, And, again, this is another one where I'm going off of I've seen clips of his. I've seen highlights and stuff. Um, he is super quick with that that pull up jumper. It is crazy to me how quick it is, even for that time. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I think I am going off of what I've heard about him a little bit more. They talk about his competitiveness and how good of a defender he was. So that's kind of why I have him that high. Right. Um, and we talked about him a little bit before. What do you think about that, though? Like, well, and the interesting thing about the pull up is, you know. You talk about the the way the game has gone in an analytic direction. Uh, you know the pull up, especially the pull up long two, is not a not you know a, a shot that people want you taking unless you're excellent at it. Uh, and you know, as I mentioned, without his left hand, could he pull up going left? You know, yeah. is, a, is a very important thing. If if you can't do that, that's where defenses in this day and age gonna are going to go. force you to go. Totally. Um, so, uh, but but certainly, you know. Uh, being the logo, and and I agree, like, uh, from the little that I've seen of him, uh, you know, his pull-up is impressive, and he was a, you know, you know, great, great shooter. You know, it's not not a a matter of him being above average. He was a great uh, shooter of the basketball. Yeah, but it just makes me keep going back to John Havlicek. They're like, well, that dude also was good at those things. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm already thinking about my list here. <laughs> All right, so that was what? What number was that? That was 12. Yeah. So now we're down to 11. We're getting close to the top 10, and you might be surprised at my number 11. Okay, who's your number 11? Wilt Chamberlain. Okay. Um, well, that it might be fitting then, because my number 11 is Bill Russell. Oh. So, <laughs> okay. Um, what? Yeah, okay. Um, 
And I figure as we get close to this top ten here that this is going to be the point of the most contention with, <laughs> like, what do you mean he's one spot down? He's He should be way better than that guy. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Wilt Chamberlain and putting him out of the top ten? So the, the thing with Wilt for me is, uh, you know, obviously crazy talented, crazy athletic, really good size. Right. Uh, and, you know, put up unbelievable numbers. And, you know, we've both brought up uh, Bill Simmons' book of basketball on multiplications, and he, you know, he goes into this uh, uh, quite a bit in a, in a whole chapter, essentially, of comparing the two of them. And, yeah. Uh, essentially saying that, you know, they had pretty similar teammates, you know, that that was kind of a misconception. Uh, and, you know, you may disagree with that. Well, but, no, yeah. Um, but, you know, Bill Russell always got the better of him. And yeah. it was a thing where Bill Russell, you know, uh, he would he would block shots and, uh, you know, keep it in bounds to, right. and, and block it to a teammate, or he'd even sometimes catch it himself. Right. Whereas I feel like Wilt was more about the, the ooing and eyeing, the blocking at five rows into the stands, you know. More, and, yeah, more so than not, yeah. And, he, he also was a, a freak that would catch jump shots. <laughs> he's the only person I've ever seen do that. Right. Yeah. And, um, uh... I believe they made the the rule about not jumping over the free throw line on free throw attempts because he literally could just dunk. Yeah, and this is one I've tried to do some research on because and whether it's true, I mean, it's it, it seems insane. It but. seems insane. It's I've seen uh, like people have gone in depth in it and looking at newspaper articles and what people are writing at the time, um, and you know, coaches from the time talking about it. Um, there was a coach actually for the Bulls, I think it was Tex Winter, um, was a coach at the time in college, and he was on this committee that was in uh, in charge of making the rules for the NCAA, and he saw him, I want to say in high school, or maybe as a freshman, Will Chamberlain, dunking from the foul line on his foul shots. He'd take two or three steps back, go to the top of the key to get a little running start and jump from behind the line and you know, drop it in the basket, and Tex, and this is Tex Winter saying it, it goes to the rules committee, like, if people can do this now, that's going to break the game of basketball. We need to start making these rules now before he, he gets in the NCAA because it's going to destroy the game. Like, yeah. this is ridiculous. Um, but we haven't seen anyone in our current game who's even close to that. <laughs> right. So either they're exaggerating it or this dude was the greatest athlete in maybe any sport of our time and definitely in basketball from the reports I've heard from people at that time, it sounds like he might've been just that good of an athlete, but he just didn't have the will to, you know, and the focus to overcome, you know, Bill Russell. The, um, the other thing, I think another rule that they changed because of Wilt was the, um, the paint, the size of the exactly. paint. I think it was a lot smaller yep. and they extended it. Uh, because, you know, if he was just standing in there, he could just destroy your entire offense. Right. Um, but uh, Goaltending as well. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm certainly not questioning his skill level, his talent, but, you know, he was a guy that I think time after time chose the, the stats and the fame over the actual team success. Yeah. You know, we, we've talked about in the past how he led the league in assists, one season, and I, it wasn't because 
you know, it was something that he wanted to get all his teammates involved. It was just nope. he wanted to lead the league in assists. Yep, and so he uh, did it. <laughs> you know, he did something unselfish for selfish reasons. Exactly. And another thing with Wilt, too, was his free throws. Uh, yeah. So... He, um, you know, he was a terrible free throw shooter for most of his career. Yeah. But then he adopted the granny shot at the free throw line for one season and was actually significantly better. Right. Uh, but then just stopped doing it. <laughs> and it's like, how in the world can you see something that genuinely improves your game and then just choose to ignore it? Yeah. And that's something that just, as a competitor, just drives me crazy. Uh, you know, and uh, yeah, it, it's something that only a guy that's worried about how he looks, only a guy <laughs> that's worried about the, his perception over actually winning basketball games. You just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ma- Malcolm Gladwell has an amazing podcast on this subject, too, um, on his uh, Revisionist History. Um, which is a great show, by the way. Revisionist History is so good, yeah. Uh, but he talks about that, comparing Rick Barry... Um, and a little bit of threshold theory versus, uh, well, Chamberlain, like, how can you stop doing something that works, but, well, it, it, the perception, you know, like, yeah. it, it doesn't make me look cool. Um, same thing with Shaq, you know, why didn't Shaq learn how to shoot free throws better? Or why does no one adopt the freaking skyhook? It was mm-hmm. the, one of the best weapons we've ever seen on a basketball court and no one wants to do it. Uh, it blows my mind. If I was even close to seven foot and a post player, I would be using the sky hook all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm six foot and small. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Will Chamberlain, um, I'm thinking of the Willis Reed game uh, when Willis Reed got hurt and comes back heroically. Um, why the hell does Will Chamberlain not destroy this guy? Yeah. I, I think it's because he was worried about, you know, being the villain. He didn't want to be kind of like LeBron James early on when he was cast as that villain role. He had a little bit of a problem with it. Right. LeBron was eventually able to overcome it. I don't think Wilt was okay with looking as, you know, the, the Goliath, the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if he had just a shred of that actual competitiveness to destroy his opponent, like a Bill Russell... Um, he might be the greatest player ever. I Yeah, I put an asterisk on his on his thing for that. If he, if he was competitive, I don't think anyone could touch him. Mm -hmm. There's clips of him doing hook shots from the three point line, uh, online and shit like that. Like, and this is a guy that played for the Globetrotters. Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible. 50 points a game for a season. Yeah. You know, a hundred points in a game with no three pointers. Yeah. I mean, these are unbelievable stats, but you know, there's got to be a reason why he couldn't win. Um, when he did win two championships, but, you know, you look at a um, right. even a guy like Kobe, who neither of us have mentioned yet, but I believe right. are on both of our lists, you know, he was able to he was able to win two championships without Shaq. Right. You know, and one of Wilt's championships was with that dominant Lakers team with Jerry West and Gail Goodrich. Right. And you know, that was a stacked team. Uh, yeah. So he was really able to only win one championship as the main, as the main guy. guy. Of that 67 season. And, um, and, and that just, you know, for all the talent, uh, the the lack of team success is really why, and that lack of competitiveness, and a little bit of lack of skill. You know, he wasn't a great shooter. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, he, I think in the post, he often just overwhelmed guys with his physicality and his athleticism as opposed to having a real refined 
set of moves. He had a couple. He had a fadeaway. It wasn't refined. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was not a Hakeem Olajuwon. Right. Um, but, yeah, he, 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 I think the issue with him, analytics would have told him to dunk on people, <laughs> do Shaq and just dunk on people. Yeah. Instead, he would, he would try and go for more crowd-pleasing stuff instead of taking the good shot. Because, mm-hmm. um, again, he was worried about... But I'm thinking now, we'll probably get into it in a sec, like, I wonder if we penalize him too much for, because he was so talented, he only won two. Whereas right. someone like Hakeem Olajuwon, who's coming up on my list, also only won two, and I have him ahead of Wilt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, yeah, I think it's, I think that's a good spot to have him. I have him close at 11. Okay. So... We talked a lot about Wilt. I love Wilt. He's one of my faves. So Yeah. So, wait. So, Wilt isn't your number 11. You have him close to 11. I have close to 11. So, who is who is your number 11, so then? My 11 is Bill Russell. Okay. Um, on Bill Simmons' list, he has him at number 2. And right. if I'm... Hmm. How do I want to say this? I really try and look at something that you can't quant- quantify at all. Uh, but the the mental aspect of the game, right? Um, I think in terms of um, s- the psychological aspect of the game, like Bill Russell intimidated everyone that he played against. Um, and he's like uh, the stuff you were saying about Kevin uh, Garnett. Mm-hmm. All those things apply to you know Bill Russell. He famously would uh, he would throw up before every game and just get into this crazy rage before every game that he played in order to get himself motivated. Yeah. Um, and there's even a time where he didn't throw up before a game and Red Arbach told him to go back in the locker room and throw up so they could go play. And I think they won that game. Um, <laughs> but in terms of, you know, his defensive impacts, like you said, um, Tim Duncan is someone who would pick this up, the blocking uh, a shot towards a teammate to yeah. start a fast break. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was just more intellectual than a lot of people he played against where... Uh, Will Chamberlain would just swat it out of bounds, right? Right. Um, and I think of players, this might be odd to bring up, but a Dennis Rodman, seeing the impact that a person can have on a game with just their rebounding and defense, um, I think of a Bill Russell as like a better version of a Dennis Rodman with yeah. a little bit of an offensive game. Mm-hmm. Um, in today's game, though, it would just be the defensive dominance. Um, but this is a lot of, you know... It could be wishful thinking. This dude is one of the most competitive and confident people that I've ever seen. Yeah. And in interviews, uh, there's a documentary on the Harlem Rens where they bring up Michael Jordan and Bill Russell's like, I could match him. And Kareem and everyone else, Jerry West, are like, uh, what do you mean you could match Michael Jordan? He's like, yeah, I could match him. Anything he could do, I could do. <laughs> uh, I think that's an exaggeration, but I, I think I think he could be effective in today's game. I think... I don't know that he would get 23, 24 rebounds a game. I think that's pretty crazy. But I, I think he could be pretty effective. But yeah. what are your thoughts on, on Bill Russell? Well, one one funny Bill Russell story. Pretty recently at the last NBA Awards <laughs> show, you probably remember this, <laughs> right. uh, they brought up like a bunch of the, you know, they brought up Shaq, David yeah. Robinson, uh, was Patrick Ewing there maybe? I think so, um, yeah. Alonzo Mourning, a couple other guys. <laughs> And uh, just to, you know, honor Bill Russell, I think he got a lifetime achievement or something of that nature. Right. 
uh, and Bill Russell just looks at all of them and he goes, I'd beat y'all's asses. Right. <laughs> so, that was uh, short and sweet. Uh, and he's in that category of competitiveness with Michael Jordan in my uh, mind. Right. Like, maybe the only other person that I'd throw in there just, it doesn't matter what it is, he is thoroughly convinced he's going to beat anyone in anything. And while that might be crazy to think, I think it helps you in that competitive spirit. If you're going against a guy who's just so, like, enraged and convinced that he's going to beat you, if you're a weaker-minded person or, like, maybe a little insecure there, you might be like, oh, my God, this guy's crazy. I don't want to make him mad here. Right. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, you uh, you compared Bill Ru- Who? Sorry, who you were comparing Bill Russell to? Um, Kevin Garnett. Yeah, that, uh, that that's one that I think is pretty interesting because... Uh, you know, Kevin Garnett had a jump shot, which Bill Russell did not. not. Um, but in terms of the intensity, the competitiveness, the defense, I think Bill Russell might be a better version of Kevin Garnett at all those things. Right. Which is insane to think about. Uh, and he also was a pretty good passer. Right. You know, so, uh, and I think he's a guy offensively. Uh, that could fit just about whatever you were trying to do. Right. I think that's another thing that's that's nice about him. Whereas Wilt, I think he's another guy that you kind of have to revolve your offense around him. You got to give him post touches he's and that exactly. sort of thing. Yeah. Whereas Bill Russell, I think, would be fine if in today's day and age, if he was just playing the Tyson Chandler role, just picking and rolling and catching lobs, he could do that. Right. You know, if you needed to play him out at the elbows and have him run dribble handoffs and pass to back cutters and, right. and those sort of things, kind of like what Nikola Jokic does for Denver, he could do that. Right. Uh, so I think he, you know, even though uh, he's certainly not anywhere near a great offensive player. Oh, for sure. I think he's a very versatile guy that could fit into any system, and then his defense, his leadership, his competitiveness yeah. is so valuable. And eleven championships, we you got to bring that up, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. uh, and we might talk about him at some point when, because I'm not sure if he's on your list now. I'm wondering. We'll we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, but yeah, eleven championships is is crazy. Um, yeah. The the winningest person in any team sport. Um, I'm not sure that they would win 11 championships in today's well, game. Well, because there's less te- there were less teams at that time, so essentially getting to the second round of the playoffs now would be like winning a championship. The amount of in rounds of, you'd have to exactly. have to get through. Right. So, but still a great player and so interesting that we ended up with Wilt and Russell in the same uh the same one there for 11. Interesting. So, um, now we're on to our top ten, right? Top ten. This is it. And it's funny you mentioned, uh, where you, wondering where Bill Russell is. He's right at number ten. Oh, there we go. Okay. (laughs) Nice. So, so now I'm curious who you have at your number ten spot. Again, the offensive game is the only reason I didn't have Bill Russell in there. Um, for that number ten spot, I've got Shaquille O'Neal just because even though... Bill Ru- I might even take a Bill Russell if he was available in a draft over over Shaq, but like a prime Shaq, holy crap, this dude just overpowered anyone that was in his path. Right. Uh, he is a, you have to double team him. If you don't, it's, he's getting fouled and going to the line, and if you, if he gets 30 foul shots in the game, he's going to make half of them. Mm-hmm. So that's still 15 points right there. <laughs> um, and you're fouled out. And you're fouled out. Um 
And in, in his younger days on Orlando, the dude was a great athlete as well. He's running the floor, too, and um, something that, other than a Will Chamberlain, something we haven't seen at a guy who's 300-plus pounds. Yeah. Um, what what do you get? Four championships? Yep, three with the Lakers, that three-peat, and then another with Miami. Yeah, and, and that Lakers team, you know, one of the greatest teams of all time with that dynasty there with him mm-hmm. and Kobe. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting the whole, you know, I've got Shaq a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, but, you know, compare, you know, talking about Shaq and Bill Russell and Wilt and all those guys. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, a reason why I have Shaq higher than Bill Russell and Wilt lower hmm. in part is because if Shaq was guarded by Bill Russell, he would dominate him. Bill Russell was 6'9 like yeah. and, you know, pretty skinny. Yeah. Uh, so Shaq would just bowl him over. He would. Uh, whereas, you know, Bill Russell, even though Will Chamberlain scored a lot of points on him, in that matchup he held his own. Um, most, yeah, I'd say for the most, they won more of the games. Right. Yeah. I, I think Wilt set the NBA record for rebounds against Bill Russell with 55, which is insane. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think it's safe to say, but, of course, Bill Russell, the, as confident as he is, he's like, oh, yeah, I let him. I let him do that, and that might just be you know the competitor talking trash. But right. yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, Shaq would overpower anyone that he's playing against. Well, that's uh, the that's the interesting and the kind of the hard way uh, part about putting Shaq in a list is like you know depending on the matchup. If you don't have anyone anywhere near his size, yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> you know and. And he's one of the few guys that it's really like that. Yeah. You know, um, LeBron, you know, if you don't have a, you know, a guy that at least can handle himself uh, at the small forward position, like, sure, LeBron will probably go for 40 or whatever. Right. But Shaq would go for 50 and 30 <laughs> rebounds. Right. You if know? you didn't have someone on him, yeah. <laughs> it would just make it impossible for you to win. Right. Um, so... he. Yes, I, I mean, I have Shaq a little bit higher. I really love Shaq. One of the most dominant players, especially in his prime. Yeah. Again, uh, I think a reason why he's not even... Uh, I have him, I'll just say it, I have him number eight. Okay. Um, uh, the reason I think he's not even potentially higher is because of that longevity factor. Right. Uh, you know, he was good in Orlando in his early years in Los Angeles, but, um, you know, within about 12 years of being in the league, he was definitely slowing down. Yeah. Um, and you know he's he also has some defensive deficiencies in terms of moving his feet and that sort of thing that yeah. you know especially in today's day and age would be a challenge for him totally um you wonder if if he was in today's game if he would have gone that route and bulked up as big as he was um by the end because i think he was like 340 uh when he was with the the lakers or something like that if maybe he would have stayed the more uh slender but athletic you know more mobile version of him. But even then, I'm not sure he would have been able to, to guard, you know, those people in the pick and roll like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, okay, so you've got Shaq at 10, and I have Bill Russell at 10. Okay. Who do you have at 9? Hakeem Olajuwon. Okay. Um, and that's close for me in terms of, um, I think Bill Simmons talks about um, him thinking that Shaq's prime was better than Hakeem's. But Hakeem, just over the course of his career, he thought was a better player. Mm-hmm. I, for Hakeem me, certainly had a longer career. Was good, you know, even into his mid to late thirties as yeah. well. Which Shaq was not. For me, it's it's just the versatility of Hakeem mm-hmm. Olajuwon. 
This is a guy who started playing late, um, you know, grew up playing soccer. He had the footwork of a forward or possibly even a guard on some of the moves that he's doing in the post. Um, and, I mean, he could he could pull up for a jump shot. One of his moves that he would do, he'd get the ball at like 15 or 17 feet face up and just cross the, the center over yeah. and, you know, go into that dream shake there. Um, and he's one of those, you know, like you said with Dirk Nowitzki, he's a must double team. Yeah. And then you surround him with shooters and all of a sudden you've got a championship caliber team right. as long as you have decent role player shooters around him yeah um, well and his defense was elite as well right. not only the block shots but he got a ton of steals just extremely long and active with his hands quick hands yeah uh you know he that's that's the other thing that's special it's one thing you know and why Hakeem is higher on both your and my list over Dirk is right. you know not only the offense but then the defense as well being able to um, you know, Hakeem is like if you had Dirk on offense and Tyson Chandler on defense. You know, right. that combo he, in Dallas, it's kind of all in one. Right. Uh, so, yeah, he, he definitely is special in why he's even a little bit higher on my list than yeah. that. But, um, but yeah, he uh, he's certainly great. Uh, at nine, I have Kobe. Ooh. I have Kobe Bryant at number nine. I thought you would put him higher. Oh. That's interesting. Okay. okay. Number nine. Um yeah. Yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on on Kobe putting him there? So I mean, he's he's the second shooting guard of all time in my list behind, behind Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think the issue with Kobe in terms of in terms of my uh, looking at him being in that top five range and why he's not uh, is you know, he was definitely the, the second guy in that three-peat. You know, a lot of people like to act yeah. like it was Shaq and Kobe equal. It wasn't. Yeah. You know, Shaq was the dominant force. He was the alpha on that team. And that's why they split up, is because Kobe wanted to be the alpha. Right. And he couldn't be with Shaq there. Uh, so, um, you know, Shaq was the main reason they won those titles. And obviously... Having the number two as good as Kobe was super important, right. you know, and he was great in for those teams. Totally. Um, but you know, he won three titles as the number two guy, and then was able to win a couple of titles later in his career right. as the number one guy. But I honestly, um, you know, that second title that he beat Boston was, uh, you know. <laughs> real close to the yep. point where I, in the same way I kind of look at the Spurs as the 2013 champions, I almost look at the yeah. Celtics as the 2010 champions. Yeah. Because uh, it was that close and there was injuries and other things that kind of altered the outcome. Kendrick Perkins got hurt right. for Boston in Game 6 and the Lakers dominated the boards and even though Kobe went 6 of 24 in that Game 7. Game 7, I was going to bring uh, that up. They still won because Pau Gasol and Bynum, you know, dominated on the glass and, and did all those things. Yeah. Uh, and that was, you know, that 6 of 24, and even the 2008 finals that he didn't perform super well in. Right. Uh, you know, that's supposed to be right in the middle of his prime or pretty close to it. Right. Uh, and, you know, uh, it. You know, I thought he was extremely clutch and a super competitive guy in terms of if it's the last second, and they're down one, I want him shooting. Right. Um, but I I think there's a difference between being clutch and being a big game player. Yes. And James Worthy is a perfect example. Big I think James. he wasn't necessarily clutch, 
but he played extremely well in the big games. Right. I think LeBron yeah. is a big game player and not necessarily clutch. Interesting. Um, I, I, yeah, that's a that's a good way of putting that. Okay. Uh, so um, I think that puts Kobe down a peg too, and I think Michael Jordan. What separates him is he's a big game player and he's and clutch. A, and clutch. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, and I think about that with those finals performances. I was thinking this at the time watching them. You know, Jordan. Um, 1991 finals, Phil Jackson was saying to Michael Jordan, who's open, who's open, who's open? John Paxson was open. And so <laughs> in those games, Jordan started to defer. Once they doubled, he passed to John Paxson. They ended up winning the Lakers, uh, against the Lakers. Um, Kobe took the other route. It seemed like Kobe was like, no, I'm going to put it on my shoulders. I'm going to win this on my own. And he's shooting over double teams and all that stuff. And I think that you know that was the, the strategy of the Boston Celtics coaching staff Doc Rivers and Tom Thibodeau they came up with the game plan that right. we're going to send double teams at him because we know he's going to want to win this on his own he's going right. to shoot anyway so they used his you know desire to, against him essentially right and with Jordan had it not been for those Pistons teams he might have done the same thing but mm-hmm. i am not i'm not mad at that with Kobe i I think in my heart I wanted to put him around that spot. It was yeah. hard for me to move him up, but it was just that that longevity argument was uh, the only thing. We're, we'll get to that in a sec because well, some of my favorite players are coming up that I ended up putting Kobe over top. Well, and in terms of like you know nine and up, I think all of the guys that I have from an efficiency standpoint were extremely efficient, and Kobe was a little notch below that. Right. You know, people, when they compare Kobe to Jordan, I think the biggest difference is Jordan's a career 50% shooter, and Kobe's at 45. Right. You know, and um, for a guy like Kobe who played into the, the 2010s, and in the era where threes were really prevalent, he was never a great three-point shooter either. Right. Um, so that efficiency is another um, thing that knocks him down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that he was a lockdown defender during his prime, I yeah. think as his as he got older, his defense definitely became uh, you know pretty below average and hurt his team quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I definitely agree with that. But I, I will say with Kobe though, like if we were going with prime you know, people like, uh, this dude kind of like a Wilt, like he could, I mean, 81 points in one game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think during that stretch where Jordan or where, um, Kobe was coming into his own and Shaq had just left the Lakers. I mean, he just went on a tear where he's just scoring and doing some incredible things. He outscored the Dallas Mavericks, the, <laughs> like, the team, <laughs> he outscored the Dallas Mavericks team, by himself in three quarters. It was like 63 to 62 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> like, obviously there are other Lakers players that scored as well, but like that is such an unheard of thing right. to outscore another team by yourself. Yeah. Um, that if we're going off of just prime, I think that would, you know. He... Well, it was, it was a little bit unfortunate, and I mean, he's at fault for this, but during his absolute peak, right, which was right around that 2006 season when he did all of that stuff right. and averaged the 36 a game, I think, and, you know, yeah, was playing his best basketball and it was also still an elite defender. Yeah. Um, you know, he had gotten Shaq thrown out of town. Right. So he was, uh, you know, his supporting cast was really awful. Right. So the best years where we could have seen the ultimate performances he was either missing the playoffs or with, uh, you know, as the eight seed or something right. like that. Uh, so that kind of drops him down a little bit too. Is that, uh, you know, 
at the peak of his powers, his teams themselves weren't that great. Right. Um, but yeah, certainly, um, you yeah, know, he's he's a great player. But uh, I have um, you know a few guys above him, and it's interesting that um, you know when we talk about Shaq versus Kobe. See, I have Shaq at, ahead of him at number eight. Oh, and okay. so I think that's interesting. You've got Kobe ahead of Shaq, whereas I I value what Shaq did a little bit more. Um, I think Shaq in his prime was a little bit more dominant. I agree. Um, and I think, uh, you know, he was the main reason that Lakers team won the three-peat. And, um, you know, you talk about Kobe with his longevity. I don't think it's necessarily um, that much of an advantage over a guy like Shaq. Okay. You know, Shaq, I would say, um, you know, he came in as a rookie in 92 and was immediately, you know, a really good player. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, I would say through 2005, his first year with Miami, he was elite and, you yeah. know, pretty close to his prime. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good 13, 12 or 13 seasons. Hmm. And then even like in 2006 when the Heat won the title and even the year after, he was still a really good role player. So Shaq had a pretty long, yeah. you know, solid career, whereas Kobe, you know... He came into the league, what was it, I think 97 or 98, yeah. as a high schooler, and right. he wasn't ready to play. He wasn't that good right off the bat. Right. It wasn't until about 99 that he was, you know, an all-star caliber guy. Right. And really, I would say it was only from 99 through maybe 2012 that he was, I think 2012 that season, or it might have been 2013 was when he tore his Achilles at the end of yeah. that season. So we had like a 99 through 2013, at least the end of the regular season of that year, mm -hmm. run. So to me, the the longevity argument, I don't think, maybe Kobe has a slight edge, but yeah. it's not by much over Shaq. Yeah, yeah. No, that's I, I like that a lot. And I if I'm, Shaq is in my list of favorite players, whereas Kobe, I like him a lot. But like you're saying, in terms of the efficiency and everything else, there are th some things that kind of irk me a little bit. Um I think it's just like when you look at his his stats overall, where you, where he's at on the all time points list and everything else. Yeah, that's more what I meant with that. But uh, okay, but yeah, I I totally agree that um, again, it was hard for me to put Kobe ahead of these people. I kind right. of begrudgingly did it. Um, but we'll we'll get to him in a in, in a few here. So we're at nine right now, right? Well, I just did eight. You did eight. What, so, who did you have at nine? Uh, I had a Hakeem. Okay, yeah, we talked about nine. him a little bit. Yep. So who's your number eight? I had Will Chamberlain at eight. Okay. With an asterisk that again, if if he decided he wanted to be the best, he might be creeping up on that number one spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I like how you kind of uh, um, not that any of you listening could have seen it, but you gave me kind of a shocked look when I had Will at eleven. But you only have him at eight. It's right. Not exactly. As if there's a huge discrepancy. Oh no, yeah. I was just kind of thinking like within the top ten. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of like having Bill Russell out of the top ten. It's like you know most other people doing their list. It's like how how dare you? Right. Um, but yeah, I yeah we already talked about Wilt in terms of. Uh, overall impact, great, but um, okay. Yeah, that was number eight. Okay, so my number seven is Akeem. Okay. So I have him slightly ahead of Shaq, just as you did, but just okay. both of them a little bit higher. Okay. Uh, and yeah, like um, the fact that Hakeem got the better of Shaq in their finals matchup, you know, matters in this discussion, okay. even though it was mainly, that was more... Or that was before Shaq really hit his absolute right. prime. Right. Um, but that might have even... You could have even said that that was 
slightly after Hakeem's prime that 95 season because I think he won yeah. the MVP in 94. Yeah. Um, and so he was getting a little bit older by the mid nine, mid to late 90s. Yeah, you can make um, that argument. I mean, so, uh, yeah, he, um, you know, Hakeem, yeah, you mentioned his versatility offensively. I think that in the same way I mentioned you could run any sort of offense around Bill Russell, mm, I think right. Hakeem could do that, except he was also skilled to be the one of the main cogs of that offense. Right. You know, so he could be the rim runner if you needed him to be, although that would be, I think, a waste of his talent. Right, right. Um, but he could, I think in this day and age, he could spot up and hit corner threes if right. you needed him to. Uh, you know, he could be a pick-and-pop guy. Uh, he could be an isolation player as well and a post-up player. So, yeah. you know, his versatility on offense is, is truly exceptional. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Well, um, and I think we brought it up um, maybe in one of our conversations that wasn't on a podcast, I can't remember, uh, but with uh, with Giannis, right? He's another player that started playing a lot later, and in this day and age, he's a big guy who they've got playing the point guard you... position. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so what I mean with, with Hakeem, I wonder if he was in this day and age, if they would give him more of free reign to you know, dribble the ball in the perimeter and do that yeah. type of stuff. And I think that would have probably helped his skills with that. I, I don't know if I would take regular Hakeem in the 90s and tell him, all right, you're a point guard, um, you know, because he was good at dribbling, but I'm not sure he was that elite at dribbling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I, I thought he was that type of talent that, you know, wherever you put him on the basketball court, like you said, corner threes, this dude was pretty incredible. He could make it work, yeah. Um, and... Uh, you mentioned Giannis, but I think it's Joel Embiid that you're talking about in terms of okay. a guy that started really late. And oh, he had a, probably. Yeah, he yeah, had yeah. a similar he had a similar um, you know upbringing in terms of Akeem. Uh, they both played soccer, and okay. I think uh, Embiid played some volleyball as mm. well. But playing different sports and then being introduced to basketball like in their teens or right. late teens, right? Uh, and then you know having. Um, you know, if if you're any parents out there and you're trying to groom a child to be a basketball superstar, I think you should try to get them into soccer and tennis and and some of those sports where balance and leg strength and those sorts of things are enhanced. Right. Because those benefit you greatly on the basketball court, especially for guys that are you know seven feet tall. Oh yeah, I mean, it, even looking at Hakeem versus a David Robinson, who's one of the the better to best defensive centers that we've seen. And just mopping the floor with him, yeah, you know, it it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Hakeem, um, but yeah, the uh, the versatility is super important, and yeah, the fact that he, uh, you know, I I had a few guys on this list that like Scottie Pippen, that's you know elite on one end of the floor, a two way guy that's really good on one end, elite on the other. But when you can be elite on both ends, that's where right. you know those guys are the top ten players to me is when. They can be a huge, either they're exceptional on one end of the floor so much so that right. they stand out, or they're elite on both ends. Right. And, and that's what separates, you know, and you know when you're talking about the thousands upon thousands of players that have played in the NBA when you're getting into a top ten, right. it is the elite of the elite. Exactly. Um, and, well, speaking of that, uh, my number, because he's your number seven. Seven, yes. My number seven is Larry Bird. Okay. And so he is in that category of... He's my number six. Oh, so. there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting how close some of these are. And the fact that I ranked Kobe higher than you, that's so weird to me. And apparently you have Kobe above Larry Bird, which I have a big problem with. <laughs> Again, it was just the uh, yeah. 
that that was the hardest decision of everything on here, and I went back and forth. Yeah. Um, again, with the eye test, but there's um, there's arguments can be made. But oh, yeah. for sure, for sure. But like when you're watching a prime Larry Bird, this dude maybe had the best feel for the game mm-hmm. of, of anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, just he just outthought everyone he played against. He seemed like he was two or three steps ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to see him going up against a talent like Magic Johnson was incredible. You know, you got you know. Magic's a great athlete and everything else, but Larry, you know, not that he was a terrible athlete, but he's not, he's not a Dominique Wilkins. He's not a, a LeBron James out there. You know, mm. he's a step slower, two steps slower than most of the people he plays against. And he just, he would do a ball fake and the entire defense would turn the other way. You know, it was crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, again, we've brought it up before um, him playing against Dominique Wilkins, scoring 60 and the Hawks bench going crazy, you know, cheering for him and everything as yeah. he's hitting threes, falling out of bounds. Um, yeah, Larry Bird's definitely one of the best. Yeah, if you talk about favorites, he might be number one for me. Yeah. Um, just because of the stuff you mentioned, that he had to do it with guile, yeah. with skill, with craft, as right. opposed to having that athleticism, which pretty much everyone else on this list is a, you know, great, or good to great athlete. Yeah. Larry was kind of average as right. far as that's concerned. Like, obviously, if you're in the NBA, you're a pretty good athlete regardless. Right. But in comparison, yeah, not great. Yeah. Uh, you know, he couldn't jump out of the gym. He couldn't fly through the air and all those sorts of things. Right. Um, which is, you know, which makes those, the highlight plays, you know, that uh, 86 finals where he, he shoots the shot, knows it's missing, runs, Catches it in midair, and is, he's floating behind the backboard, so he switches to his left hand to throw the ball in. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, you know, obviously an athletic play, but the the instincts, the smarts, the yeah. skill, all of the coming together to, to pull off something like that is just remarkable. And, and when I'm, you know, if I were picking a team... Those are the things that I'm looking for in a in a player. Mm-hmm. I want to see those intangibles, the basketball IQ, more so than just the athleticism. Yeah, you know, and that comparison even of the Dominique Wilkins versus Larry Bird. You know, on paper you would think Dominique Wilkins would destroy Larry. He's yeah. so much faster, can jump out the gym. Um, it, but Larry's just so good. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's so good against anyone you put him against. That's why I hate with um, when I've talked to. Some people that are a little younger than me who think, you know, Larry would have no chance playing in today's league because he's not a good enough athlete. I'm, I don't care if, if he's playing LeBron James. That would be an amazing matchup, you know? Even right. though LeBron is so much more athletic, I'm telling you, Larry would be able to get a shot off against anyone. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, he was six nine and he shot over his head. Right. I mean, uh, you know, I, I look at him sort of offensively uh, in... In a lot of ways, I think he could do a lot of what Dirk did. Right. Um, and, you know, obviously he's a couple inches shorter, but he shot, his release was even higher than Dirk's. Yep. And, uh, you know, he was, I think, around the same, if not a slightly better athlete than Dirk was. Yeah. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, what people get so focused on the position a guy plays and say, well, Larry Bird couldn't guard small forwards that well. It's like, that's probably true, but in this day and age, he would just be a power forward. Right. He's a 6'9 guy that averaged 10 rebounds for his career. Right. Uh, so <laughs> um, he he would just play at power forward because he's, he's, he's a better rebounder than most power forwards in the league. Right. And 
athletically and quickness-wise, he could keep up and maybe even beat a lot of power forwards now. Right. Uh, so that's where he would play, and he would be extremely effective because he could catch and post up if he got a mismatch. Uh, you know, he could catch and shoot. He can spot up. He's a great passer with the ball. He could run a pick and roll yeah. and make the right decisions. Oh, and yeah. if you leave him open, he could beat you with the shot. If you if you leave a pocket pass, he's capable. He's more than capable of making that pass. Yeah. He's one of the greatest passers that's ever played the game. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, anyone that claims Bird couldn't compete is a fool. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's he's a terrific player. A lot of people were already saying, like, I've heard talk that, you know, Kevin Durant's already above Bird in the all-time yeah. rankings. I'm just yeah. like, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, l- people forget how damn good Larry Bird was. He right. was sensational. And the only reason he's not higher, really, a couple things. His defense wasn't great. Right. And the the durability factor where... His prime was exceptional, but, you know, because of back injuries and that sort of thing, I think he took so many charges that that, <laughs> that was one of the causes of it, uh, that he was out of the league within, you know, a little over a decade of him getting into it. Right. So, but but in terms of prime, prime Larry Bird was one of the greatest players that I've ever seen. Yeah. And again, it, it's nice, you know, we're getting into some of these guys that have been on our list terms of they played in the 80s and 90s we've seen a lot of their games so this isn't us just basing it off of people talking about it we've watched these guys we we're pretty confident about where we have these guys ranked totally um yeah i i love larry bird he's i think him magic and jordan are my favorites um and you you've you said you got larry at six yes that's actually where i've got kobe okay that was that was the contention for me it was like do i put larry over kobe or not right and i think i ended up going with just you know like i said his his stats where he ranks at the end of it because he came in the league so early and everything else versus larry's you know playing a little over a decade um but no question if i'm picking prime either one of them i mean uh larry bird joined the celtics i can't remember what their record was when he first joined them but they were immediately a contender right um one rookie of the yeah. year his first year exactly. won a championship in year two right um, which is incredible like most yeah. rookies do not do that I, I don't I don't know if that's something that gets overlooked by most people but most people need time to develop and he was already one of the best in the league when he first started and yeah. continued to get better right so. well and that's that's another thing you know talking about the durability and the the extended career you know. If you just look at years of service in the NBA, Kobe's got a lot more than Larry. But if you talk about years of service as a top 10 player in the league, it's probably a little bit closer. Because, again, Larry was a top 10 player immediately, whereas Kobe took about two or three years. But, yes, even, even factoring that in, Kobe had a longer career than Bird did. And, you know, just in terms of them as players, defense, defense, yes, Kobe had a big edge. Uh, and athleticism, obviously, uh, and you know, Bird ha- would have the edge in like shooting and passing and, and right. those sorts of things. But certainly, I mean, I, I don't think it's Clutch crazy this. to have Maybe Kobe above yeah. Larry. I mean, I have Kobe at nine and Larry at six. Right, so flipping that small. isn't yeah, flipping that isn't an insane thing. All right. Um, so yeah, what, who do you have then? You had Kobe at six, right? Yes. And now, now we're getting into the top five. Who do you have top at five? Five all time, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan at number five. Okay. Yes. Um, now explain yourself as far as that's concerned. Um, I've 
not watched Tim as much as you, mm-hmm. um, but when you go over the resume of Tim Duncan, the fact that um, incredible on both ends of the floor, like we talked about before, um, you know, incredibly smart player. When he first comes into the league, he's a force um, on the defensive offensive end, and um, he's on contending teams early on in his career. Right. But he's also winning championships in the middle and late in his career, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, I, I have Kareem higher than him, but um, there could be an argument made that you could put Tim Duncan over a Kareem even, and in, in that they've won almost the same amount of championships, and that Duncan was maybe better later in his career than an older, slower Kareem was. Mm-hmm. Um and played, I mean, yeah, I, I think he was amazing. That's that's why I have him at uh, five. What do you think? Okay, I mean, I have, Dun- I'll just say, I have Duncan at four. Four, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I agree with all of that. I think, um, you know, the fact that he immediately came into the league and was a top ten player. He immediately supplanted David Robinson, who was really good. Right. As the, the best guy on that Spurs team. They win a championship in his second season. Uh, and... All of the, you know, you talk about Duncan won five championships. All of the close calls that he had as well of potentially winning more. Right. Uh, you know, you talk about the 2000 season. They're the defending champs, you know, and you've still got uh, David Robinson and Tim Duncan as the Twin Towers. And Robinson's starting to slow down, but still pretty close to his peak. Uh, but then Duncan gets hurt. He misses the playoffs. Oh. They the Lakers end up winning. They get the confidence and build towards that three peat. Yeah. By the time Duncan comes back in two thousand one, you've got an older Robinson and a Lakers team that's built so much confidence. Right. So it's completely changed. But you know, you talk about what ifs in NBA history. I would have loved to have seen Spurs with Duncan in two thousand versus the Lakers and right. and against the Lakers team that was tested in that playoffs. They. They were pushed to five games by the Kings in round one and seven by the Blazers in, in the conference finals. Yeah. You know, going up against the defending champs, you know, that might have been too much for them. Right. Uh, so, you know, you talk about that season was a was a big one. Uh, you know, the the season in 04 where Derek Fisher hits the point four shot, uh, right. basically wins that series for the Lakers. But Tim Duncan had made the clutch shot right before that. Yes, I think it was uh, 72-71 Lakers with about a couple seconds left. Duncan catches it, hits a fadeaway 20-footer over Shaq to put the Spurs up one with .4, and then Fisher hits that shot. Which you could argue, you know, I don't know who's doing the time clock, you know, that's... Yes, technically you can catch and shoot with point four. I think that's the least amount of time that right. you can scientifically even do that. Um, but the chances that he was able to catch it turn all the way around like that. Right. I mean... Because he was coming, you know, kind of towards the ball when he caught it. So he definitely turned before he shot. Right. Now, he he definitely got it off quick. I he give did. him a lot of it's, credit. It's but, arguable that he yeah. did make it, but... But I agree, it's questionable and, and you know... You just throw up a shot as quickly as you can. You can't say that's total skill either. Right. It's a little bit of luck involved. Right. Uh, so, you know, that shot doesn't go in. Maybe San Antonio wins a championship that season. Right. Uh, then, um, you know, that was 04. They had won, the Spurs won in 03. They won in 05. In 06, in the conference finals, game seven, uh, the Mavericks are down three. They've got the ball with like less than 20 seconds left. Dirk goes in for a layup. 
Manu fouls him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Dirk makes it, hits the free throw, game goes to overtime, Spurs lose. If Manu doesn't foul, Spurs up one, Dallas probably has to commit a foul. Yeah. San Antonio goes to the line, extend the lead. You know, who knows what happens. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Dallas went on and got to the finals and, you know, probably should have beat that Miami team. The refs, I think, were a part of what <laughs> happened there. But yeah. San Antonio, I think, would have had a really good chance in that series as well. Um, then they win in 07. Uh, right. And then, you know, they hit a little bit of a rut because Duncan kind of had gone out of his prime at that point. Uh, he was still really good, but he wasn't quite the dominant force. Right. So they had a couple of years where they transitioned from it being a post-centric offense with Duncan to more of a pick-and-roll offense with Parker and Ginobili. Right. Uh, and they also, at that same time, Bruce Bowen, their perimeter defender, uh, you know, was getting a little bit older and kind of going and beca- retiring. And then they drafted Kawhi, and then all of a sudden things started to ramp up again. Right. Um, you know... It's amazing that if you put, um, you know, a a creator, an offensive creator around Duncan with a perimeter stopper, yeah, you're a contender. Right. Every year of his career, when he had, um, well, and there's a couple of exceptions. You know, in the year, the year they won in '99, he just had a elite second guy, right, with David Robinson. But you know, his whole career, you know, that um, the O two through. Um, you know, 2008 or nine stretch, it was all like you had Bruce Bowen and you had Parker and Ginobili. Right. You know, and none of those guys are studs. Right. They're not, you know, Parker and Ginobili had a few years where they were all-star caliber, but for the most part, they're role players. Right. Uh, as long as you've got a couple of good creators that can handle the basketball and a perimeter stopper, Duncan was competing for championships. And then yeah. once he got Kawhi Leonard, who could do the same things Bowen did, uh, you know, and you still had Parker and Ginobili. They were competing for championships again, one in 2014 and came oh so close in 2013. Right. Uh, and lost in game seven, that, you know, horribly <laughs> unlucky finale to that yes, one. Yeah. Uh, and even in 2012, they lost to the OKC Thunder in the Western oh, Conference right. Finals. There was the, the Spurs were up 2-0. In that series, they had won 20 straight games going back to the regular season. They swept the first two rounds, won the first two of that series. Um, Oklahoma City comes back in Oklahoma City, wins game three. Game four, which is kind of the big one as far as that's concerned, because it's like, you know, um, can they bring it back and hold home court and get it to a game five with all the momentum? Versus the team trying to get the uh, the team with the home court trying to get them the the steal of the road game. Right in game four, Kendrick Perkins and Serge Ibaka went, I believe, um, I think it was like seventeen of eighteen from the field or Holy something crap. something yeah. crazy. Right, Serge was like eleven for eleven, and uh, Perkins was like six of seven. Something like, you know, the Spurs did exactly what you should have done, which is take the ball out of Durant, Westbrook, and Harden's hands, put it into, like, your fourth and fifth options, and they, they beat them. Right. And, and, you know, you play that game nine out of ten times, those guys don't do that. Right. Uh, so, you know, they had, you know, he had such a great extended career where he was competing for championships. And, you know, at the heart of it, the whole time, he was a, a two-way player. You yeah. know, even as he was getting into his mid to late thirties, Duncan was still a great defensive, right. uh, you know, anchor for that Spurs team. 
Um, so yeah, it uh, it's truly special what he accomplished throughout his career. I think the thing, the reason I have him like you know below the likes of Kareem and even Jordan and LeBron is I think his prime was you know a minus level. It just wasn't. Right. It wasn't a Shaq level dominance. Right. You know, it was amazing, but right. just not quite at the peak of what you expect out of, you know, the best of the best. Totally. Yeah. So, um, so I, you, so you had Duncan at five. I brought up that I had him at four, so I'll go back to my five okay. real quick. I have Magic Johnson at five. And he's my four. Oh, okay. So that's perfect. <laughs> um, so uh, I have Magic slightly ahead of Larry Bird, mm-hmm. um, and... That's that's tough for me. Um, yeah. I know Bill Simmons struggled with that as well, and right. the fact that he's a Celtics fan and still put Magic above him, yeah, shows that he truly felt that. I, I think he acted like that was tough for him, but uh, you know, with his bias, he's got for Boston. If he put Magic above, I right. think he felt that was a, a pretty secure position. Right. Uh, but <laughs> but I think the the biggest thing for me is that um, you know Magic's body didn't really fail him it was the hiv right i think yeah as you said if if he played into i think you mentioned this before we started recording yeah uh if he played in today's game like that wouldn't have been an issue he could have kept playing right um you know they all they have all of these safety procedures for if someone's bleeding they immediately stop the game and you know all right. of those sorts of things no one's as concerned it was a yeah. it was a thing that people were worried about because they didn't know anything about it you know yeah. now the way science has advanced, everyone's you know um, aware of what it can do, how you can get it, and what right. um, you know precautions you need to take. Yeah. Uh, so I think Magic could have had an excellent another ten years of his yeah. career if that didn't happen. In that same year, in '92, he is on the the All Star game. He, he gets to play in the All Star game. He's the MVP of the All Star game. Yeah, um, and he's like hitting threes over everyone <laughs> and going one on one with Jordan. And it was yeah. a great moment. Then he also plays on the Dream Team. Yeah, and is the, the starter, starting yeah. point guard. Even at that point, you know, Magic was still amazing, and Bird was kind of. Yeah. At the point where he was just a spot-up shooter. He wasn't nearly the player he was, whereas Magic still was every bit a top-five-level NBA player. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it was amazing. And as we were talking about before, he actually made a, a brief comeback in 96. Magic Johnson did. He uh, yeah. came back for the Lakers, and he played mostly power forward. Um, and this is, you know, he's a little more out of shape. He's a little bit uh, heavier now. Um, but what was incredible to me is, you know, even at power forward, he was still pretty effective as an out of shape, you know, guy. Yeah. He's still six, nine. He's able to hit that little, you know, little baby sky hook over people. And if you get it to him in the post or at the high post, he's one of the greatest passers of all time. Yeah. So all you'd have to do, you could do, think of a pick and roll with him and a pretty good point guard. Your pass, or he could even run the pick and roll. It's yeah. crazy. Like the options he could that be the have. in the role of like Damon, Draymond Green right. for the Warriors, where he's catching with a four on three, right? Be unstoppable. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really, I truly believe if it wasn't for the AIDS epidemic and it just being at that time, he could have probably played. Yeah, and, and been really good for well, a and, lot longer. And like Larry Bird, yeah, immediately came into the NBA and was effective. Had that NBA Finals game six. Where he had like the forty plus points yeah. and double digit rebounds, playing as the center because Kareem what sprained his ankle, I think. Uh, he yeah, sprained uh, or broke his ankle. Yeah, uh, and uh, 
So, you know, him and Larry were both great right off the bat and even great in their final college year where you had the right. Michigan State versus Indiana State. Uh, you know, I was I was talking to my dad about Magic Johnson recently and he was talking about how he made, uh, he didn't know the guy's name, but he mentioned some guy on Michigan State averaged like 25 a game and he was kind of a nobody, but he just did because he played with Magic Johnson. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> he was using that as a reason to be better than Larry Bird and my huh. response was, Larry Bird took a, a, a <laughs> whole team State. of nobodies to yeah. the championship game. Right, like um, they were the underdog there yeah. and, and almost won. Right, like it was it was a it was a good game. Yeah, like I remember watching that one. Um, but like that's the interesting thing when you're comparing Bird and Magic. If you're comparing like from '79 through '88, even yeah, would you? I might give, give a slight edge to Larry. I, I think I might too. Um, there were a couple times where Magic ended up coming up short in in those big games in the clutch. Yeah, you know him dribbling out the clock. Was yeah. it twice even? Like, uh, I, I there can't were remember. a couple of games, and I think it was the '84 Finals that they that they lost because of things that he did. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I uh, I might have given Larry a slight edge if their career both of their careers ended right then. But then Magic had even that run to the finals without Kareem in '91, right? Where Larry Bird, you know, was still having an occasional awesome moment in the playoffs, but it was you know a very inconsistent yep. um, situation then. So I think at Magic just even even if you don't if you don't do the what if of what if he didn't get HIV and right. could play whatever still had um, a great run. I still think those last three years of both of them from like eighty eight to eighty nine to ninety one I think puts Magic slightly above. And and even in ninety one James Worthy gets hurt in that NBA finals. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, Jordan before they'd won a championship. Once they'd won a championship they were pretty much unbeatable. But like before that had Big Game James still been healthy, and I can't remember if Byron Scott also got hurt. I think he did, yes. in that series. Like, it's possible that the Lakers could have put up a better showing and right. not lost 4-1. to one. It's arguable, because Magic, Magic and Jordan were kind of matching each other stat mm-hmm. for stat. That's always amazing to me, whenever they would go head up, like, Magic assists-wise, points-wise, rebounds-wise, Jordan, they're right at each other. Yeah. I think that's just that competitive fire that both of them had. Well, I think Magic, it's neat how, you know, when he came into the league, he didn't have much of a jump shot, and he was more of a transition guy, and he could post up, you know, kind of play that power forward, but he really developed that jump shot, I thought. By 87, he became a pretty consistent mid-range shooter, because players went under him, they didn't want him posting him up and all of that, and then by 91, and you mentioned the 92 All-Star game, he was a decent three-point shooter as well, so that's an interesting thing, too, is he was... His game was kind of evolving, whereas Larry Bird, you know, he got better at what he did. Right. But his game kind of stayed, you know, at around the same level for most of the 80s. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we've gone through our, uh, all the way down to, through four. Now yeah. we're down to the top three. Yep. Okay, so at three, I have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I think our lists are going to be identical from here on out. Okay. Yes, uh, I have Kareem there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what do, what do you have to say about Kareem? So, you know, the Kareem-Duncan thing was a really cha- uh, challenging decision for me. Yeah. Whether to put Duncan at three or Kareem. Because, again, you know, we mentioned that later in the career, Duncan, I think, was a superior player. Uh, and I think Duncan was a superior leader as well. Hmm. To Kareem, okay, um, and 
the other thing with Kareem is you talk about a good chunk of his career he played with superstar teammates. True. You know, in Milwaukee, he won a championship with Oscar but, Roberts. Yeah. You know, in with the Lakers, he won championships pretty much every I think everyone with Magic Johnson. Right. And James Worthy and you know, you know, I think if you look at Kareem and Duncan's supporting cast, I think Kareem mm-hmm. for the most part had better supporting cast. Yeah. Um but I get uh and you know you talk about I think one thing that helped Duncan with his career was obviously having that um, stable presence of Greg Popovich, one of the greatest coaches ever. Yeah. But Kareem played for some really good coaches as well. I mean Pat Riley for a good portion of, of right. his run with the Lakers. Uh the the part that I think um makes me give Kareem a bit of an edge is I think in you talk about the prime, I mentioned Tim Duncan's prime was more like an A minus. Yeah, I think Kareem's was more like an A plus. Yeah, <laughs> when Kareem was at his athletic peak, you know, with the sky hook, you know, the guy was the elite rim protector defensively, the great athlete that could run up and down the floor, yeah. um, and ha- being, you know, arguably the greatest post player of all time. Yeah, the most unstoppable post player as well. You, there's nothing you could do. You know, they they asked Kareem, I think after his career was over, have you ever been did you ever get your skyhook blocked? And yeah. he said just once, and it was because he didn't see a guy from behind. Yeah. But he goes, I've never, uh, the guy guarding me never once blocked my skyhook in my entire career. It's probably true. I think I saw a clip of Wilt blocking his skyhook once. But I, I think you're right. In terms of uh, that shot was pretty much unblockable. Uh-huh. As tall as he was, over seven foot with the long wingspan. Seven two, it. I believe. Seven yeah. two, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think... And for those of you that haven't seen the sky, don't exactly know what we're talking about. When we say, you know, reaching his arm up, like, he would extend it almost straight in the air. Yeah. And, and, like, if you're trying to reach as high as you can. And then he would just... He could palm the ball, obviously. He'd have it in the... And he would be using his offhand to block the defender. And then at the last second, he would just flick the wrist, yeah. kind of almost like a shooting form. Yeah. But you know, from a from a weird angle, obviously, and you know, Shoot he he could control it. Around. Yeah. But you know, you talk about a seven two guy with his arm as straight up in the air, and he's shielding his defender from getting anywhere near it. Yeah. There's just not there's not any way to physically block it unless yeah maybe unless Wilt if you're <laughs> you're laying off him and you just jump as high as you can. Right. Um, I, I feel like Kareem is everything, um, I think he's everything that Wilt should have been as Mm -hmm. a player. And we got to see an older Wilt before he retired against a very young Kareem and see them go head to head. And Kareem would almost always get the better of those matchups in terms of overall, you know, Wilt might beat him out in terms of rebounds, but I mean, Kareem would score 30 plus on him pretty much every time. Yeah, um, it, I would have loved to see a younger version of them going at it, but yeah, I I agree. On the offensive end, you can't stop him, <laughs> uh, and and it's not like the skyhook was his only right. shot. I mean, he could do fadeaways. He could do. He had a, an Drop assortment steps. of moves uh, that he could utilize down there. He was a good passer. It's just that the skyhook was so efficient for him at range too. I mean, mm-hmm. he would pull up from sometimes. 10, 15 feet from right. the basket yep. and pull up with a skyhook, what chance do you have of stopping this move? Right. Um, 
That's he would do it, you know, he would do it on the move, too, which right. often would create separation so that he you he could do it without much of a contest at all. Yeah. You know, he would take just a couple of steps and, and you know, and, and do it as he's moving, which is so much more impressive of how consistent he was making it. Right. Um, but, you know, and I mentioned the reason, again, I have him slightly above Duncan is his prime, I think, is a, little, is a little bit better, and even though his longevity, I think, is slightly worse, I think Kareem still one of is the best still, <laughs> yeah, in terms of durability and a long career, yeah, as you said, still one of the best that's ever played. I think he won an NBA Finals MVP in 71 and 85. Right. That's the largest stretch of a, right. a player winning the Finals MVP. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he was still an effective offensive player till the moment he retired in the late 80s. Right. Uh, so... Um, you know, just a just a tremendous basketball player that, uh, um, yeah, I wish more players would would emulate his skyhook. Right. And you know, the the stuff we talked about with Wilt, and it's funny you mentioned that Kareem was kind of uh, what Wilt should have been. Right. I think the what we talked about in terms of perception. Whereas most players don't do the sky hook because of perception, it's not a cool looking shot. Right, right. Uh, so Kareem didn't care. Right. And so that's why he fulfilled a career that Wilt should have had. Right. When Wilt cared about those sorts of things. Yeah, I agree. Um, so now we're down to our final two, and we've done an entire <laughs> we've done an entire episode on this. Right. Um, but uh, and it's not going to be a surprise to any of you. But we both have LeBron at two. And MJ at one, yeah. um, and I would like to get your take in terms of, uh, you know, in, I think uh, you know we mentioned the defense as one of the one of the big things yeah. uh, that separates Jordan and LeBron. Uh, I would like to hear what your thoughts are if you had to win one game in the NBA Finals, let's say a Game Seven, right? Hmm. And you've got a LeBron committed on defense. You've got a LeBron that's a big game player, mm. right? Versus Jordan, who obviously is a big game player and a competitive guy too, but that defense isn't necessarily as big of a factor. And you've got current LeBron who can shoot the basketball pretty darn well as well. You know, how close is that discussion in your mind, and would you possibly consider LeBron? I would consider him. Uh, it's close. It is. I think I said in the last one, it is, uh, when Jordan retired, there was a lot of talk of like, you know, who's the next Jordan? Who's the next MJ? Throughout Jordan's whole career, there was, you know, um, Harold Miner and people were, Vince Carter, everyone's the next Jordan. Um, I remember thinking, we're never going to see anyone touch that because Jordan was just so dominant in so many ways. LeBron is close. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's crazy how soon it happened after Jordan to see another guy like that come around. Um, I'm thinking of the last few finals where LeBron is just putting up insane numbers, scoring 40 points a game. And getting effort on the defensive end yeah, as well. Double-digit rebounds and assists. I mean, it, overall, just dominating a game from every aspect. Um, but I still, I think I have to give the edge to Jordan. The fact that Jordan was able to do it, you know, 1986, Jordan is out with a broken foot for the entire year comes back in the first round of the playoffs, first game scores 49 against one of the greatest teams of all time, the 86 Celtics, second game scores 63 points, and takes it to double overtime against this team, 
virtually by himself. Yeah. Dave Corzine and uh, Kevin Macy are his backups. You know, I think he had an Orlando Woolrich or someone. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm pretty confident that Jordan would be able to raise his level of competition to anyone he played against. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still going to pick Jordan, but I would not be mad at anyone who'd pick LeBron. Yeah. Especially after the last few years. Right. What are your thoughts, though? I mean, it is, uh, you know, it's scary, you know, watching LeBron this season. And again, um, you know, fully recognizing that his defense is not at a high level at all during the regular season. But watching LeBron's skill level and his jump shot, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I just was at the uh, the Cavs-Portland game the other day. And, you know, first few possessions, he hits like three straight fadeaway jumpers. Yeah. And it just, you know, you could tell with Jordan when it was just like, it was so easy. Yeah, you know, And LeBron has gotten to that point where it just... It's like, this guy can't do anything about this, and I know I'm going to make it. Right. You know? And uh, you you talk about all the things that LeBron, um, you know, has an edge over Jordan in terms of his passing. Yep. And, you know, we talked about his, um, you know, their shooting being pretty similar, but maybe Jordan with a slight edge with that mid-range jumper. Because he was very consistent from mid-range. But yeah. that's that's um, you know covering their entire career. That's LeBron's shooting, you know, when he was younger, when he was a lot worse. Yeah. Whereas if I'm taking LeBron right now, I think he's a better shooter than Jordan ever was. Hmm. Okay. Um, I, I honestly believe that. Hmm. Uh, but I, I am with you. I still would take Jordan, just because even though LeBron has played great in just about every game seven he's been in, and yeah. you know he's going to show up. Totally. Um, Jordan is so such a freak competitor that I just believe in him, uh, you know, just that much more. And especially yeah. in clutch situations, you know, oh, yeah. we talk about the difference between big game and clutch. Uh, yeah. I trust Jordan a little bit more in those clutch situations um, to to uh, to make the shot when it matters most. I mean, if 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 you've never watched Jordan's career, I would invite people to go back and watch uh, the flu game. From 1997. Um, I mean, Jordan was a person where the greater the odds were or the worse he was feeling, uh, the better he would play. Yeah. You know, this dude can barely walk and and somehow scores like, I don't, I can't remember how many points, maybe 45 against the Utah Jazz. And yeah, up, I think that's right. Um, you know, leading his team to victory there. And that's when he's super sick. Um, yeah. You know, I, I would imagine if it was a game seven, uh, NBA Finals, this dude would come out swinging and uh, maybe literally even uh, super competitive. But no, I mean, LeBron, I don't want to take anything away from LeBron. It is incredible what he's doing right now. He continues to like Jordan. This is why these guys are one and two. Every year they add something to their game, and they're just further separating themselves from everyone else who's ever played. Um, It's going to be hard for whoever's the next person coming up, you know, to try and... uh, catch them because mm-hmm. they've just they've set the mark so high and right. LeBron continues to, to move that mark higher and higher so well and um that's that's an episode or a podcast that I have uh 
I'm looking forward to in the future doing is a current like top 25 list. Mm-hmm. Now I know you know you don't watch as much current stuff, but it, so it'd be much more of me commenting and you sure. get, giving your thoughts on those sorts of things. But yeah. um, I, I think, think that... Jeff Hornacek is the best player in today's <laughs> NBA. <laughs> he is coaching, so hey, you're, you you're somewhat close. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that would be another interesting thing to do, and um, you know, to to look at the current guys and where they rank. Thank you so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to throw us your top 25 players of all time list, feel free to contact Anthony or myself on Twitter. At Garrett Bouguet is mine, and Anthony's is at AKBrown2023. Have a good night, everybody. Leftovers or the DMV Number 97. or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere you could redeem some serious prizes ChumbaCasino.com live the Chumba life no purchase necessary we were prohibited by law T plus terms and conditions apply see website for details mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.